0: Hello, my name's Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Tom will look at how the Qatar Airways Airbus A350 row is heating up, while I see what makes the 777X such a sustainable aircraft.
0: I'll find out why it's the end of an era for Airbus, while Joe fills us in on the latest drama between the UAE and Nigeria.
1: Finally, Tom will tell us about another cool aviation-themed vaccination opportunity.
0: So now you know what's in store. Let's get on with the show. And I wanted to start today by talking about Airbus A350 and Qatar Airways. And this is a sort of situation that's been brewing since January now, um, when Qatar Airways sent one of its A350s to Dublin, uh, not Dublin to Ireland, um, to be repainted by IAC into a special, um, a special World Cup livery. Because at that point in time, the A350 was really the flagship of the Qatar Airways fleet. Mm -hmm. Um, And how far? has gone since then um around (laughs) 20 of the airlines a350s have been grounded to date on the instruction of the qatari civil aviation authority and qatar airways has um kind of been saying that these aren't airworthy at the moment and that's why they've been grounded and airbus is not okay with that they're saying that by saying it's an airworthiness issue um the customer, they they won't re- um, name Qatar Airways, but it's, it's fairly obvious that this is who they're talking about. Um, they say the customer is misrepresenting um, the, the issue and that represents a threat to the international protocols on safety matters. Mm. Um, and it's quite interesting because... Airbus clearly is not okay with this. They've said in the face of ongoing mischaracterization of non-structural service degradation of its fleet of A350 aircraft by one of its customers, it has become necessary for Airbus to seek an independent legal assessment as to a way forward to resolve the dispute. So Airbus is now um, seeking legal legalness on the matter. Um, we don't know what's going to be what's going to come of that, but um, I guess it could get quite nasty from now on. Um,
1: it's The gloves are certainly off, aren't they?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is, and um, you know, the Airbus has said it's presented solutions to Qatar Airways, and that these have been. Um, I the, the, I forget the exact wording, but basically they're saying that Qatar Airways is rejecting its proposals without justification. Um, mm. It's quite interesting because I did some maths earlier today and with 21 of the A350s grounded, Qatar Airways has basically lost out on 6,163 of its 60,140 seats. So roughly 10% of its capacity is grounded and, you know, it's getting to a really busy period with the holidays coming up, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, tomorrow, as we're recording this, they're bringing back the A380s against their will to fill on some of that capacity. But obviously, you know, it kind of works going to Heathrow, where the planes are already going to be really full anyway. But on any of the other routes, it would just be maybe not the best idea to bring the A380 back. So Mm. they've also brought some of their A330s out of um, storage sooner. But I was reading today in the South China Morning Post that they're also going to be taking four of Cafe Pacific's 777s. which, I mean, is is good for them because according to data from our friends at chaviation.com, 15 of 17 Cafe Pacific 777 200s and 26 of 46 uh, 300 ERs are currently listed as inactive. So there's plenty of them to go around. And I mean, uh, Qatar Airways owns around 10% of uh, Cafe Pacific. So I'm sure um, it's not like they're um, borrowing them from someone they don't really like. No, um,
1: exactly. Exactly. So,
0: You know, I'm just really interested to see where we go from here because, you know, it seems as though both Qatar Airways and Airbus have now gone past a point where the relationship can be easily repaired. Um, I know you were writing that it seems almost certain now that they would go for the Boeing 777X freighter instead of the A350 freighter, which uh, well, I think... Well, I in... think
1: it's very telling that there hasn't been an order from Qatar because when we spoke to Al um way yeah. back at the start of the summer, he said that if there was a launch of a new generation freighter, he would be at the front of the queue to sign up for it. Yeah. Um, and at the time, he spoke very highly of the A350, but obviously a, mm. a lot of water has gone under that bridge since. Um, and it's been over. six months really since Airbus confirmed they would be launching the A350 freighter Mm. um, and no orders forthcoming. So I I do think um, I was reading something today where he said that he will have trouble doing business with Airbus ever again, which Mm. is strong words, you know, but he is a man of strong words, isn't he? He likes to say a lot of things and then uh, doesn't always come to fruition. So we'll have to wait and see.
0: Mm, I'm just very interested as well to see what it means for the remainder of its order because it's still got 23 A350 one on order and it did say it's not going to take any of them until it, the issues have been resolved to its satisfaction so mm. um, could be a tricky one for Airbus there too.
1: Yeah. And I think it, you know, it doesn't bode well when there are other airlines rumoured to have had similar issues. Um, Mm. And I mean, I guess it all comes down to what the fix is. If it's a case of just putting a different type of paint on, then that's not such a big issue. But if it's a case of reinstalling the lightning mesh, you know, Mm. that's a lot of planes that require a lot of maintenance before um, they're all sorted. Um, But I think, you know, the important thing is that as far as EASA and the FAA and all the actual big regulators are concerned, it's not an Worthiness issue. Yep. It doesn't make the planes unsafe to fly. It is just a cosmetic thing. Um, mm. But having said that, you know, if you buy yourself a nice big new car and the paint starts peeling off six months later, you're not going to be very happy with the manufacturer, are you?
0: <laughs> mm, probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, we mentioned the 777X Freighter. Um, not that, unfortunately, because Boeing's Aww. still yet to confirm it. But uh, but I do want to talk about the plane a little bit. And this is one of Tom's favourite topics. So, apologise for stealing your thunder, Tom. But uh, I had a lovely chat... I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast last week with Chris Raymond, who is Boeing's Chief Sustainability Officer. Um, He talked about lots of things. And this was another one of the topics that we kind of went through. Um, And it's all about how the 777X is being so sustainable. Um, Now, it's being touted by Boeing as being the most efficient twin-all aircraft in the world. Um, And improvements in its design and technology means it's promising a 10% reduction in fuel burn and CO2 emissions um, alongside a 10% improvement in operating. Rating economics. And all that, funnily enough, is based on a comparison to the A350-1000. Um, now, the 777X isn't exactly the same as the A350-1000. It's kind of bigger uh, for a start, um, but it is the nearest competitor. So, I guess it makes sense to measure up against what Airbus has on offer. Um, although I'd like to also know how it measures up against the 300ER, but they haven't published any anything mm. on that yet. So, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um but, so, there's a bunch of stuff that's gone into this aircraft. Some of it's from the 787, some of it's from the eco-demonstrator, um, and some of it's just new. So, it's all quite cool to look at. So, mm. um, for a start, they've worked on making it a lot quieter, which isn't to do with sustainability per se, but it does mean that it reaches standards that are going to be required of aircraft in the coming years. Mm. Um, and this was something that it learned from the 787 eco-demonstrator, um, which um, obviously was such a, a sustainable plane or a an energy efficient plane, they didn't do so much on the side of making it more efficient, but they did do an awful lot of work on making it quieter. So I don't know if Mm. you remember those photos of all those microphones on the ground and all the mics attached to the side of the plane. Um, So that was all about reducing engine noise. Um, And one of the things that has come forward to the 777X is the um, engine treatment by Safran. Um, And this basically means that they've installed like a honeycomb device that kind of absorbs the sound of the engines before it leaves. And you'll notice the triple seven X no longer has chevrons on the mm. the back of the nacelles, and that is because it doesn't need them anymore. Um, so those do a great job at dampening the sound on planes like the seven three seven Max and the Dreamliner, but it's mm. no longer needed on the triple seven X because the the new engine treatment that came from the Eco Demonstrator does it better. Um, so in terms of actually reducing the fuel burn. I guess the first thing you'll notice is the size of the wing. Um, you know, you talked last week about the folding wingtip and how mm. how important that is. Well, obviously the reason for a folding wingtip is so the wings can be longer um, and that actually makes it more aerodynamic um, and they reckon it's about a 5% improvement in aerodynamics over the A350-1000. That's um, good. B- because of the wing and also because of the GE9X engines which have been designed with something called laminar flow. And from what I understand, I'm not an engineer, but this keeps the the airflow around the engine very smooth. So it reduces um, the kind of uh, drag that can be caused by having those big engines underneath the plane um, and generally makes it a more aerodynamic product. Uh, But also the wing itself is made out of carbon composite. Um, so it's like an all new wing it's it's not one that's been grandfathered from the 777 family at all it's brand new, It's the design's mm. new it's all composite so it's a lot lighter um, so those are some of the things that are kind of I guess brought forward as, as new things and also learnings from the 787 um, mm. but then of course the GE9X itself which isn't a Boeing product, it's a general electric product um, that's a revolutionary power plant in itself, you know it's it's got carbon fibre fan blades that are lighter and less susceptible to stress Um, Mm. the air compressor packs in a 27 to 1 compression ratio Um, so all in all, um, it's also it uses 3D printing, I didn't know this in its airfoils made from titanium aluminium metal powder so rather than using nickel which would melt under the amount of stress and pressure and heat that goes on inside that huge engine um, Mm. this is a much stronger alternative Um, So, in terms of the engine itself, it's got a 5% lower fuel consumption than any competing engine. Um, But the thing that I was really excited about, um, because I I like technology, (laughs) and you would have seen this, I guess, on the um, 737 Max Eco-Demonstrator, is the touchscreen flight deck. Um, Oh, yeah. So, they're, they're trialing some of those on the... Um, 737 MAX but the 777X has already got them and this basically removes some of the components from um, the the pedestal area which reduces weight um, mm. and the, the touch screens you can kind of choose which display you have on which screen and they're also multi-touch which means both pilots can use any of the screens simultaneously if they need to um, mm. so I think we saw you know there's quite a lot of touch screens on the A350 as well but this is the first um commercial aircraft to be equipped with touch screen, oh my goodness, I'll get my words out in a minute, to be (laughs) equipped with touch screen forward flight displays. Um, Mm. So, it's an entirely kind of iPad like experience for the pilots. Um, And as I say, it also reduces weight. Um, So, those were just some of the cool things that I learned about the 777X that I wanted to share today. Mm.
0: That's really cool. And um, I guess. I now want to seesaw back to another cool airplane. Um, <laughs> my favourite cool airplane. Another big uh, airplane. <laughs> another big airplane, yep, sticking on the Airbus theme. Um, it's the, of course, the Airbus A380. And I guess this week is going to be a very momentous week for Airbus and the A380 programme, because if all goes as expected, um, Emirates should take delivery of the last ever Airbus A380 i think towards the tail end of this week so maybe even if you're listening to this podcast now it's been delivered um it's a bit of a sad moment for airbus um because you know the a380 program it never quite took off as airbus had hoped um only 254 of them were ever built and that's not quite what they were expecting when they launched it um and, you know, they pulled the plug on this on uh, February 14th, 20, uh, 2019. So it was a rather bittersweet Valentine's Day um, mm. for many. Um but you know they've kept it going this long they were actually meant to deliver the next ones next the last ones next year but emirates brought that forward to november and then that's now slipped back to december um last week the penultimate one was delivered and it's a bit it's a bit of a shame because they were planning uh, i believe emirates were planning to sort of hold a big farewell for the a380 in it, um airbus program but obviously covid has kind of put the brakes on that so um no big celebration per se, but it, it really is the end of an era for Airbus. And um, I noticed when they did the final ever test flight of an A380 last weekend, um, they drew a big heart in the sky. So clearly they're showing the plane is still made with love and that they love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's sad for Airbus that they're losing their uh, biggest product, but... Um, Maybe they're not going to be so sad to see the end of it. I don't know because, um, I mean, even uh, Emirates was expected to order more of them, but then um, trimmed down the expectation to A350s when Airbus announced the end of the program. But, I mean, I think the real important point here is that, yes, it's the end of the a 380 as far as Airbus manufacturing is concerned, but it's definitely not the end of the A380. Airbus is going to continue to support the plane with spare parts. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Emirates has like 120 odd of these things. They're not going to retire them all tomorrow because A, that's more than half of their capacity. And B, you know, like they're just taking this plane this week. They're going to want to fly it. Even if it flies for a decade, you know, we're already until 2031, Um mm. Tim Clark said earlier this year that they plan to fly them until the mid-2030s. So, you know, Emirates is going to be flying them for quite a while. And I think, you know, not every other airline will, but I can see other airlines like British Airways perhaps flying them at least later into this decade. You know, they signed their maintenance agreement with Lufthansa uh, Technic to go until 2027. So, you know, the key point here is it's not the end of the A380 Although it's it is just a the beginning of the, end. the
1: timeline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you see today they flew um, MSN001 to Hamburg for, um, I think they're going to do a photo shoot with the very first A380 oh. next to the very last A380, which will be awesome. I didn't see that. No, I'm going to have to look into it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it arrived, I think about, well, about an hour before we recorded this, but uh, mm. it should be really exciting and, and a very poignant picture that comes out of that little trip. So, uh, mm. Yeah, sad times, sad times. Um, so I just wanted to dive into um, Nigeria quite randomly, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, because there's been so much going on over the last six, seven months. Um, you know, in fact, it's really been since the start of COVID that there's been a bit of drama going on, and it's mm. the last couple of weeks have been really More drama twist, than twisty A350 and the Yeah, Qatar,
0: I think almost so
1: much drama. Um, so. Uh, basically like to recap if we like um, there's Mm. been a bit of a political tit for tat going on um, and caught in the middle is uh, UAE flag carrier Emirates um, who flies to or used to fly to Nigeria daily to two different destinations you know it's a very important market for them and also Mm. there's Nigerian airline Air Peace um, who used to fly to Dubai in inverted commas uh, because the flight actually went to Sharjah and then uh, they put people on a bus to go to Dubai (laughs) But it marketed it as a as a Dubai flight. But anyway, I mean, so it was a that, fairly... By that
0: reasoning, you could market Abu Dhabi as Dubai.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, anyway, it was a very important market for, mm. um, for air peace as well. It was kind of their first foray into the Middle East. Um, but Emirates has really struggled to serve Nigeria for several months now. So back in February, there was a row over testing protocols. Mm. Um, I believe people from Nigeria were having to be like triple tested to get into the mm. UAE. Um, and the... the federal government banned banned Emirates from the country in late March Um, they tried to kind of get back to flying uh, but then the UAE added Nigeria to its red list of travellers so everything ground to a halt again Um, In June, Dubai announced that Nigerians could come back into the UAE again, albeit with some testing protocols in place. However, days later, that decision was reversed. So everyone had to cut their flights again and scrap all their Mm. plans. Um, So it's kind of dragged on with this kind of back and forth for for quite a while. But finally, an agreement on testing was established um, around the end of November. And Emirates made plans to restart its daily services um, to Abuja and Lagos. And it was last Sunday, December fifth. That it launched um, back to Nigeria. And there was all sorts of celebrations. Celebration. Everyone was really happy to see them back. There was a water cannon salute. There was cake. Um, but the truce wasn't to last very long because um, Air Peace had reapplied to Sharjah to um, restart its thrice weekly service. Um, so it wanted six slots at the airport. But there was a letter that came back from Dubai airports basically saying that um, Sharjah was completely oversubscribed, they were completely congested. They could not have um, the six slots or the three pairs of slots that they needed to put their service back on. Um, So basically, they said, look, we can give you one, one rotation (laughs) a week, and that's it. Um, Well, Emirates um, got the same treatment from Nigeria. So Nigeria (laughs) took umbrage with this and said, right, well, if you're only going to give a a piece one rotation a week, we're only going to give Emirates one rotation a week. Um, So they were told they could fly once a week to Abuja, and that was it. Um, And Emirates said, well, that's not going to work for us and just scrapped everything and basically just closed the flights again. Um, Anyway, earlier this week, it turned out that the UAE had not only banned um, Emirates from flying more than once a week to its country, it it had also... um, Sorry, the the UAE in retaliation for Emirates being banned from flying more than once a week um, Mm. had banned any airline from bringing Nigerians into the UAE. Uh, So this all kicked off when an Ethiopian flight had some passengers on board who had through tickets to Dubai and Mm. they were all um, offloaded on the tarmac. They were just told they couldn't go. And this apparently wasn't, it wasn't just Ethiopian. It was all airlines that are able to fly with one stop to Dubai from Nigeria were told by the UAE they could not bring these passengers in um you know so it affected a, a bunch of airlines um KLM Air France Egypt Air um, Rwanda Etihad um so yeah a bit of chaos really anyway mm. This morning, I was sent a, a letter that basically says that the UAE has backed down and that they are now going to allow Peace to not fly to Sharjah, but to actually fly to DXB, which is quite mm. an upgrade, I think, for Airpeace. Um, so they've actually been awarded as many as 26 slots. Now, they haven't got enough aircraft to fly all those <laughs> slots because they've only got one 777 that's in action at the moment. Mm. Um, but they've got an early morning landing with a departure at around 8 o'clock every day. Um, And they can potentially tick that up to twice a day apart from on Saturdays. Um, But they they won't take all those slots. But I think, you know, the the important message here is that they've been allocated the slots. The UAE is trying to smooth things over so that things mm. can get back to normal. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, just more drama. Uh, so yeah. we will wait and see. I, I do worry if Air Peace can actually afford the, the landing fees at DXB because the whole reason it was flying to Charger in the first place is because it was a cheaper airport to land at. Mm. Um, So whether they'll take up any of these or all of these or go daily or go once a week, I just I don't know at this stage. Um, We did hear from Emirates that um, their country manager for Nigeria is in a meeting literally as we speak with um, the Nigerian federal government around restarting flights. So maybe by the time this podcast goes out, Emirates will be once again flying to Nigeria. But it's just I mean, it's incredible to watch. And, Mm. you know, it's better than the telly. (laughs) It's all all this back and forth tit for tat i find it um highly amusing obviously mm. not for the people that are affected and want to fly but uh, yeah hopefully they'll be able to smooth it over in time for christmas
0: fingers crossed um i wanted to just sort of wrap up the podcast with a sort of light-hearted um fun story and that was because i discovered that there is a really fun way to get a vaccine in germany now so um Cologne Bonn Airport was actually offering individuals the chance to be vaccinated in zero G. And I say that it's maybe not zero G as you're thinking, uh, but almost. Um, the airport organized a special vaccination campaign in its historic A330 that was used for zero G flights before it went on static display. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know maybe a couple of months ago, you were talking about the Air New Zealand 787 Dreamliner uh, vaccine drive but i think this maybe just beats that um in terms <laughs> of coolness um so basically on i think it was monday um Cologne Bonn was offering the chance to be vaccinated on the A300. And there's two more sessions planned for later this month, one on Friday, December 17th and one on Tuesday, December 21st. And, you know, I'm almost tempted to go out and do that myself uh, (laughs) because I'm off of work on the 21st and um, it's not so far from Frankfurt. But um, yeah, anyway, according to the airport, at least 300 people were vaccinated on board on Monday um, and the Cologne City vaccination team were giving first, second and third vaccinations. And also, the passengers got to sit on the plane and see it while they were getting vaccinated. So, you don't uh, get
1: to have a go at zero G, though, sadly.
0: No, sadly, (laughs) but you can pretend, I guess. It's Just interesting sort of because, yourself
1: around the empty cabin a bit <laughs>
0: yeah and I was well, maybe you would be um I was looking into the history of the airplane over our, from our friends at aerotransport databank and it's actually quite an interesting aircraft because it turns out this Airbus a300 was the third a300 built by Airbus and um bearing in mind that the a300 was Airbus's first sort of program it's it's quite an early historic aircraft. And it's actually almost 50 years old. So, um, it's quite impressive, you know, Airbus held onto the jet after its first, so it first flew in 1973 and Airbus held on to it until 1996. It was wet leased to Lufthansa for a year in 1973. Um, and Transavia had planned to, um, take it in 1975, mm-hmm. but that didn't go through. So, um, you know, after Airbus, the plane landed in the hands of Sabina Technics, and this is where it took on its zero-G role. And then it went on to SA Nova Space in January 2005. Um So it was kind of doing its zero-G stuff until 2014 when it was retired, and it ended up at Cologne Bonn Airport. And, you know, I'm just loving seeing all of the ideas that they come up with in Germany for sort of fun vaccinations, because yeah. back when I got...
1: We don't have any fun vaccinations yeah. here. We get to stand in a tent in the grounds of a football stadium in a sneaking queue that makes you think you're queuing for like a roller coaster ride, but actually at the end <laughs> it's just a needle.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember when I got vaccinated. Your choice was just to go do to, um, a big uh, concert hall and sit down and get stabbed. But um, you know, like <laughs> since there, it, just in Frankfurt alone, you know, we've seen uh, the opportunity to get vaccinated on top of skyscrapers, and uh, cool. they did have a vaccine tram that was running around the city and um, you know you could just jump on that get vaccinated and then jump off hopefully uh, near where you wanted to be Um, but yeah um, that sounds really fun yeah we've had some fun stuff over in Germany and I just thought it was really cool that um, Cologne had sort of taken the initiative to make this special um, this special vaccine drive
1: Yeah, I think that's very cool. And I would certainly prefer to go and get my vaccination on a a historic aircraft than Mm. in a cold tent. So good on them. I I mean, if you could pick any aircraft, what would you go. go for, Joe? If I could pick any, I would probably have to say I mean, it's got to be the queen of the skies really, hasn't it? I don't know. I reckon I would go upstairs and and sit in first class and have my vaccination done there. That would be pretty cool. I
0: think I'd want to be vaccinated
1: on Concorde. (laughs) Oh, I didn't think of that one. That was a a curveball, Tom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Although it's not very spacious inside, so I I don't think you get quite the same luxury experience you would on a a 747. But But it uh, would be quick. (laughs) (laughs) yeah faster than the speed of sound (laughs) cool well i think that's about all we've got time for today we hope you enjoyed the podcast and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com
0: for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for
1: simple flying if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening bye